Good morning. If you haven't met me before, uh, my name is Melanie. I'm part of the leadership here in Real Life Church. I'm married to Stuart. We have two gorgeous, lively boys, um, Levi and Asher. We came here five years ago to start Real Life Church, and this is where we are now. So uh, it's You're very welcome here today. I'm going to speak to us for a bit, and then we're going to worship a bit more, and then we'll just pray for the guys who got baptized today. Ness, Sam, Matt, Mark, you did brilliantly with your stories. Told them really well. Thank you for that. We love that you guys got baptized here this morning. It's brilliant. We love that you're taking your journey with Jesus seriously. I married my husband, Stuart, on Easter Saturday, um, which was the equivalent of yesterday in the year 2000. It was the 22nd of April, because you know Easter, it can sit basically anywhere it likes. Um, But this year, the year 2000, it was on the 22nd of April. And in getting ready to be married, I had some very clear ideas of what I would and wouldn't do, of what I would and wouldn't wear. Uh, My dress, I wanted it fitted, very simple, Uh, plain, white. There was no way I was wearing a tiara and absolutely no way I was wearing a veil. In fact, I remember in the bridal shop saying to my mum, as she was picking up the most fluffiest of dresses and veils, I was like, My gosh, mum, that is so not what I will be wearing. But while I was in the bridal shop, I got talked into trying on all manner of things because, let's face it, there aren't many times when you can legitimately be in a bridal shop trying on dresses. It's not something you can do on a rainy Saturday and just wander in. Oh, sorry, is that me? Potentially. Sorry about that. I'll try not to do that again, whatever it was I did. Um, And so I tried on everything. And then there was this one dress that I put on, which was nothing like I'd planned to wear. So it looked a little something like this. Uh, So plain, yeah, very fitted. And a huge skirt on it. Had to have netting under it and a big old train and beading everywhere. My mum spontaneously burst into tears. And because I had the dress on and I felt like such a bride, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a Disney princess. Um, My mum, because she spotted weakness, grabbed a tiara and grabbed a veil and was like, here. And before I knew it, I'm standing in front of the mirror with this tucked in my hair and this shoved on my head and I honestly I stood there obviously I looked a little better than this um, and I thought to myself my goodness not only do I feel like a bride I feel like a princess there was something about when the tiara oh gosh I'm not get it on that there was something about when the tiara landed on my head that, that just made it feel so different, made it feel so special, made it feel like I was basically a princess. There was something about what landed on my head that finished the whole thing off for me, much to my mummy's delight. 
So I'm going to read to you this morning the story of the crucifixion just from this. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you have kids, this is an amazing Bible to read them. If you don't have kids, this is an amazing storybook Bible to read. Um, It's brilliant. So this is the um, crucifixion story, which you'll find in the Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John towards the end. Uh, So you're a king, are you? The Roman soldiers jeered. Then you'll be needing a crown and a robe. They gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns, and they put a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down. Your majesty, they said. Then they whipped him and spat on him. They didn't understand this was the prince of life, the king of heaven and earth who had come to rescue them. The soldiers made him a sign saying, our king, and they nailed it to his cross. They walked up a hill outside the city. Jesus carried the cross on his back. Jesus had never done anything wrong, but they were going to kill him the way criminals were killed. They nailed Jesus to a cross Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, the people shouted, but you can't even rescue yourself. But they were wrong. You see, Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels would have flown to his side if he had called them. If you really are the son of God, then you would just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course, they were right. Jesus could have climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed the little girl and stilled the storm and fed the 5,000, but Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Papa, Jesus cried frantically, searching the sky. Papa, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, And the last time when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God did not answer. He turned away from his boy. As tears rolled down Jesus' face, the face of one who would wipe every tear from every eye. Even though it was midday, a dreadful darkness covered the face of the world. The sun could not shine. The earth trembled and quaked. The great mountains shook. Rocks split in two until it seemed like the whole world would break. Creation was tearing apart. The full force of the storm of God's fierce anger at sin was coming down on his own son. Instead of us. Instead of you, instead of me. It was the only way God could destroy sin and not destroy his children. Then Jesus shouted out in a loud voice, it is finished. And it was. He had done it. Jesus had rescued the whole world. Father, Jesus cried, I give you my life. And with a great sigh, he let himself die. Strange clouds and shadows filled the sky, purple, orange, black, like a bruise. And then I'm going to skip forward. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to it. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you, to Luke 24, 1 to 12. I'm reading it from the message, which is a a paraphrase of the Bible. It says this, at the crack of dawn on Sunday... So Friday was the crucifixion, Sunday at the crack of dawn, the women came to the tomb carrying burial spices they had prepared. 
They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb as they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, like cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down. And the men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when we were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and then in three days rise up. Then they remembered the words of Jesus. They left the tomb and they broke the news to all of the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles. Do you ever feel like that, women, that you keep saying things to your men? But they're not listening. The apostles didn't believe a word of it. They thought they were making it up. But Peter jumped to his feet and he ran to the tomb. You see, Peter had to find out. He stood and looked in and he saw the grave clothes. That was all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. I want to talk to you about three crowns this morning. This crown is a crown of thorns. Uh, I ordered this on the internet and um, I ordered it a few weeks back and then I got a delivery note saying it's coming from Israel. It'll be there in 28 days. I was like, oh, I emailed them and I said, needs to be here a little quicker than that. So yeah, it managed to get here quite speedy. This crown, which is a gold crown, a crown a king would wear, and this crown, which is the kind of thing that I might put on my head and make believe for a moment that I am royalty and I am in charge. Jesus and the crown of thorns. In the Jesus storybook Bible, it said they gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns and they put a purple robe on him and they pretended to bow down and worship him. The song that Abby sang, there was a line in it that said, what kind of king would choose to wear a crown that bleeds and scars to win my heart? I actually had intended to wear this, but I put it on at home and it really hurts. I then thought maybe I could have a volunteer Uh, not you Mark no I wasn't thinking of you Um, and then I thought no that's just mean really so this actually hurts if you put it on your head they thought Jesus the king was a joke they were having a laugh at his expense so they popped a crown of thorn on his head a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down and worship him Little did they know that they were communicating who he was, who he is. Little did they know that all their joking, all their jeering, all their mockery, they were actually speaking loudly about who he was and who he is. They had no idea that the man they were about to crucify was in fact the king of all kings, that the breath they were drawing in order to mock him, he was giving them. They had no idea that this man was the king of all kings. They had no idea that it was part of God's plan that he would end up on a cross, that it was part of God's plan that he would wear a crown of thorns, that it was part of God's plan that he would be beaten, that he would eventually draw his last breath on the cross. You see, the son had to conquer death so that death no longer had a grip on us. He had to do that so that we were free. 
It's why when you get baptised, you're going down in the water, symbolising death and coming up to life. He had to die in order that we might live. And he wore this crown as they mocked him. But if you go to the end of the Bible, so the book of Revelation is one man's vision of heaven. It's a little crazy in places. Think kind of Lord of the Ringsy. It's very visionary, very imagery. It's, it's beautiful, to be honest. And one man has a vision of heaven. And in heaven, he sees the king of kings constantly as a lamb who was slain. You see, this king happily wears this crown because this crown buys freedom for a whole bunch of people. This crown puts a whole bunch of people right with God. It says this in Revelation. They sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. You see, they celebrate in heaven and so will we, the one who wore this crown, the one who was slain, the one who was put to death, the one who defeated death. They celebrate what the Roman soldiers mocked, what the Roman soldiers made fun of. They celebrate as do we in this church. We celebrate that he died in our place for all our sin. It's all of these four people, Ness, Sam, Matt, Mark, it's their story that Jesus died in their place for all their sin. That when he was on the cross and he was putting stuff right with God, he was putting it right for them. So this crown he wears, and this crown he proudly wears In the visions of heaven, they say that that he saw marks on his hand. He saw one who wore many crowns. I imagine this is one of them. I imagine this is one that he wears. This is the one for me that, that purchases my freedom, that makes me right with God. And then there's this crown. So this, I don't mind putting this one on for a moment. It's got nice spongy bits in it. This crown is a golden crown. This crown is the kind of crown that a king wears. It says they went to find him in the tomb, but he was not there. The angel said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see, he had risen just like he said he would. He had defeated death, just like he said he would. In Revelation, again, one man's vision of heaven, it says this, I looked up and I caught my breath, a white cloud and one like the Son of Man. So it was one of the names for Jesus, the Son of Man sitting on it. He wore on his head a gold crown and he held a sharp sickle. You see, in heaven, Jesus wears a gold crown. And he wears that because he has conquered. He has defeated sin and death. He is ruling, reigning. He is king of all kings. And they crown him king of all kings. But he was always king of all kings. Even when he wore this crown, he was king of all kings, and when he wears this crown. You see, with this crown, he has defeated death. With this crown, he has overcome. With this crown, he's a conqueror. 
With this crown, he's victorious. When they found the grave empty, they would have been questioning, has someone moved him? Was he not really dead? What was going on? And what we know from the crucifixion story is he really died. If you pierce someone's side and blood and water flows out of it, they are really dead. Crucifixion was outlawed by the Romans as a, an obscene punishment, no longer to be used on people because it was so gross, because it was so horrific. They would never use it on one of their own citizens It was okay for the Jews, but not for the Romans. You see, it was so brutal that no one survived it. And even if they did, at the end, when they brought them down, they made sure they were well and truly dead. The Roman soldiers who guarded the tomb, it was their job or their life to keep that person in the tomb, especially Jesus, because he had promised he would raise from life. He told everyone he was coming back. He told everyone that he would conquer sin and death and he would walk out of the grave. So they were waiting, they were ready. This crown he wears because he did it. This crown he wears because he conquered all. It says this again in Revelation, Then I saw heaven wide open and all, a white horse and its rider. The rider was named Faithful and True. He judges and makes war in pure righteous. His eyes are a blaze of fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name inscribed that is known only to himself. He's dressed in a robe soaked in blood. So again, you've got you've got. This king and this king. So a robe soaked in blood. And he is addressed as the word of God. The armies of heaven mounted on white horses, dressed in dazzling white linen, follow him. Do you see what I mean about Lord of the Rings kind of feel? Can you imagine it? A sharp sword comes out of his mouth so he can subdue the nations and he will rule them. He treads the winepress of the raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. And on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, the Bible's clear. The king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He's not a dead God, he's an alive God. You see, death is beaten, death has lost its sting, the stone was rolled away, the grave was empty, the grave clothes have fallen to the ground. Jesus was not there anymore, he was alive. Most people die and stay dead, don't they? And we really grieve death. It it feels so wrong to us, doesn't it? When someone dies, it feels so wrong to us. Something about death just, just feels wrong. For Jesus, death was only part of the story. And if you're a Christian, that's true of you. You four who stood up there today, death for you is only part of the story. Because he has risen. Because he has conquered. And then lastly, we've got my crown. So this is the one that I wear This is the one when I think I'm in charge and I think I've got it all sorted. This is the one that that I put on that I think momentarily that I've got it sussed. I've got it sorted. I know what I'm doing. I'll do it my way. I've heard all this stuff about Jesus and his way, but but I'm going to go my way. This is what I was doing before I became a Christian. I was making all my decisions, some of them quite disastrous, disastrous. 
And I was doing the things that I wanted to do, the way that I wanted to do it, suffering the consequences of whatever came along. I was doing it my way. But you see, we were made as a people in the image and likeness of God. It's why there's something about death that really offends us. Because we're made by a God who lives forever. And there's something in our heart that just goes, this feels so wrong. Even when someone's lived a long life, but especially when they've lived a short life, something in us feels like this is so wrong. Because we're made in the image and likeness of a God who lives forever. Of a God who's eternal. And something of him is in our hearts We were designed to know God, to love God, to follow God. It's why I think Sam was saying something like, felt like he was carrying around this big, heavy thing on his back, and then God said, I'll take that. Because we were designed to walk with him. We're not designed to do life on our own. We're not designed to carry it all ourselves, to do it all our way. We were designed to know and love God. In Revelation, it says this. Again, this is the guy who had the vision of heaven. There's a bunch of elders who are worshipping before the throne. And it says they worshipped the age after age, the living one. So they're worshipping Jesus. And they threw their crowns down at the foot of the throne. And they were chanting, worthy, worthy, worthy. So they threw down their crowns at the foot of the throne. When you got baptised today... Sam, Ness, Matt and Mark, what you were effectively doing is you were throwing your crown down. You were saying, not my will, not my way, yours. You were saying that for my life, I have done things my way, I've done things as I've wanted to do them, but now I'm throwing down my crown. Now I'm saying you're in charge. For some of you, you prayed that prayer ages ago and baptism was just your way of sealing the deal, just your way of letting everybody else know that I've chucked my crown down and that I'm going his way, that I choose this king to be in charge of my life, that I choose the one who wears the gold crown and the crown of thorns, that I choose his sacrifice and his defeat of death in place of my way, in place of me being in charge. If you're a Christian sitting in this room today, that's what you've effectively said. You've said... In a prayer, you might have said something like, Jesus, I'm so sorry for all the things I've got wrong and all the times I've done it my way. But actually, I want to go your way. I want to follow you. I want to live life as you intended it. So you threw your crown down and you said, not my will be done, but yours. Not my way, your way. And you basically attempt to live a life following Jesus daily. You basically attempt to read your Bible and do the things that he's told you to do. That's what it means to be a Christian on the earth. It means that all your wrong, all your sin, all your shame gets dealt with by him on the cross, this king, and then gets defeated in death. So when you die and you go to heaven, he'll say, I know you, come with me. See, these crowns, Worn by Jesus are the ones that save us. They're the ones that rescue us. This crown leads us into all sorts of mess and muddle. This crown at the end of the day will not cut it when I stand before him and say, do you not like my crown? 
If you're a Christian here today, I just want to talk to you for a moment. I just want to say to you, you want to be making a daily habit of saying to Jesus, I put this down and I pick this up. And I say that you are the one in charge of my life today. You want to make a daily habit of reading your Bibles and saying, whatever this book says, I'll attempt with you to do it. You want to make a daily habit of saying, not my will, Jesus, but yours be done. You want to make a daily habit of saying to him, show me the people you'd like me to talk to, the things you'd like me to do. Sorry about doing that. Getting old, you know. Um, Help me to live life as you intended it. So if you're a Christian in this room today, I want to encourage you to look at daily, throwing down your crown and daily following him. There may be things right now that you know you need to bring to the king who wears the crown of thorns. There may be stuff in your life that you just need to put right with God. You think even today there are things I know that I need to throw down before him. There may be things that he's asking you to do that he's saying I'd like to take that now. And they could be repetitive things that you're like, oh man, I've been dragging this thing around for far too long. I felt like when I was prepping, God said to me, there'd be people who need to hand stuff over today. That you need to place it down, throw it down and say, okay, Jesus, it's yours. There'd be some of you sitting here who've walked with God, but you're a little bit out of sorts with him now. And part of you throwing your crown down is that you get that fixed today. You make that decision again where you go, actually, I put this back on my head and I didn't want to put this back on my head and I don't want to put this back on my head, but somehow when I look in the mirror, it's there and somehow all evidence of this is missing in my life and I want to encourage you to put your life right with God. And for some of you, you need to ask for help, for healing, for strength from this God because he conquers Because he conquers things. So you need healing in your body. Or you need help with a situation. And you need to come before the king of all kings. Who is mighty powerful. He's outrageous to be honest. If you don't believe me. Read some of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Read about this king. Who is just out of this world to be honest. And some of you know that you need to bring some situations to that king that you've been dragging around yourself, trying to sort out yourself, and actually you need to bring it to the one who wears the the gold crown, the one who is ruling and reigning. You've forgotten how powerful he is. You've forgotten how strong he is. You've forgotten how outrageous he is. And you need to bring your stuff to him. And then lastly, if you're not a Christian, you should consider him who sits on the throne, wearing many crowns. You should consider him. In this lifetime, you should consider him. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to encourage you. You should consider him who sits on the throne, wearing many crowns. You should consider him who died in your place for all your sin. You should consider him who beat death and now holds the keys to life itself. You should throw your crown down and follow him. It is the best decision I've ever made. Followed very closely by marrying this man. Amen.
It's the best decision I've ever made to throw my stuff down in front of Jesus and say to him, I'm yours, I'll follow you. It is the best decision I've ever made. The four guys who got baptized would all testify to it being the same. And you can do this this morning. You can make this an Easter Sunday that you would remember. You can say, do you know what? Today I'm going to throw my crown down my way and I'm going to go your way. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And the next time they get that pool out, I'm in it. Some of you are sitting there already thinking, I'm not baptized yet. The next time they get that pool out, I'm in it. And I will publicly say, this crown I no longer wear because actually he wears many crowns. And I like the crowns he wears. And I choose to let him be the one who wears the crown rather than me. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. And we're just going to sing a few songs and worship our King of Kings. If you don't know him, don't worry. Look at some of the words in the songs. Listen to some of what's going on. Open up your heart to him. We're going to pray for the guys who are getting baptized in a bit. And if you want to talk to me about anything I've said this morning or you've heard this morning, please do. If you'd like to stand, we're going to worship our King of Kings. We're going to remember that on the cross, he died in our place for all our sin. And we are going to remember at the point of the empty grave there, he defeated sin and death. He's the king who wears many crowns.